This talk was recorded by Canvas Outreach Minneapolis, the College Ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church, as a part of the 2021 Summer Training Project. For more information on Summer Training Project or Canvas Outreach Minneapolis, visit cominneapolis.org. So I just want to recognize that we had uh, a pretty epic social last night. Um, a lot of us were up really late. It was an early morning, and in about 10 minutes, the coffee and donuts are going to hit. <laughs> so if you fall asleep, there is no judgment. <laughs> I love that for you. So don't worry about it. Um, just ask me later about my talk. And uh, yeah, but um, I wanted, can you guys see this okay? Do we need to change the lights? It looks pretty, okay. Is there any, can someone readjust lights? We're good? Okay, great. Um, okay, so before I dive into my talk, I just want to give you a quick introduction to who I am. So if you want to go to the first picture. Um, okay, so I'm married to Alexis, and uh, we took this picture two summers ago at the end of the project. Uh, we're not dating in this picture. We both like each other in this picture, but neither of us knows that the other person likes each other. So I just think this is a funny picture. I think Lexi is hugging someone like right in the background, right in between us. So big throwback. Um, but we took this picture because we got matching tattoos without meaning to, and so we just thought it was really funny uh, that we did that. So, do you want to go to the next slide? Um, this is us on our wedding day with our matching tattoos. Um, we got married uh, last August, uh, kind of right in the peak of COVID. Um, we heard later from people that our wedding was like slightly terrifying because it was like, we're down here. We didn't really do masks or social distancing. But no one got COVID from our wedding. I was just thinking about that this morning. So praise God. He kept us all safe. Um, but yeah, we met through Campus Outreach. Um, and uh, you can go to the next slide. One of the things that we did at our wedding was we had taco trucks serve our food um, because we both love tacos. And for me, growing up, uh, I grew up in Iowa and then we moved to Minnesota and my family is um, really white and so the tacos that I grew up with was basically cubed chicken thrown in a pot with like a packet of taco seasoning tossed over it and then it just sits there for usually 45 minutes because my mom forgot about it and then we ate it and that was it. So I didn't really like, I don't know, and then tacos kind of like became popular so then I kind of got into tacos that way. But when I really got into tacos is when I started dating Alexis because his family is Mexican. And so they make some of the best tacos I've literally ever had in my life. Um, so if you want to go to the next slide, um, I told Alexis, I think when we were dating or engaged, that it was my life's ambition, um, not necessarily to preach the gospel where it hasn't been heard, but to make the best tacos in the entire world. Um, and, uh, so yeah, I really wanted to figure out like what makes tacos really good. And... Uh, one time, early on in our relationship, we did like a family barbecue with Alexis' family, which when I hear barbecue, I think like burgers and hot dogs, but when Mexicans say barbecue, they mean like the best grilled meat that you've ever had in your entire life. Um, and so we had the most amazing tacos. And um, I asked his brother who had grilled them afterwards, like, how did you do that? Because those were so good, and I want to be able to make those tacos for myself. And he was like, oh yeah, it's super, super easy. Here's like, here's what you do. Um, and I will share that secret with you at the end of my talk. <laughs> so that's a little incentive to stay awake. <laughs> um, but uh, the reason why I tell this story is because I think there's something in all of us that when we 
see something that's really, really good, or when we see something that we really, really want, we want to learn how to get that thing, how to do that thing. Um, so for some of you, it may be um, there's an influencer on Instagram who has incredible skin, and you want their skincare routine. Um, or there's someone who is really, really fit, and you want to be as big as them, so you try to figure out what their workout routine is. Or maybe it's someone who's just been extremely successful, so you buy their memoir, you go to the same college as them, you major in the same thing, you use like their roadmaps to go where, you, where they are. And I think that this is the whole platform of influencers, and this is like a huge deal in our culture right now. Uh, and what they are doing is they're claiming to live the good life and that they can show you how you can live the good life as well. But what if someone claimed not to have figured out how to make the best tacos or the perfect skincare routine or the perfect workout regimen, but what if someone claimed to have discovered the secret to life itself? And what if that person not only claimed that they had discovered that key to life, but that you could have it too? And um, that's exactly what Jesus claimed when he came to earth. So in John chapter 1, 3 through 4, this is how John introduces us to Jesus. He says, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. So Jesus comes bearing life. And not only does he come with it, but he actually comes to give it and share it with us. And so this is Jesus' own words from John 10.10. He says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So this is a huge deal. This isn't just like one aspect of the good life. This isn't just like, hey, let me show you how to eat healthy. This isn't just, let me show you how to sleep well. If you drink however many gallons of water a day, like this is going to clear out your system. This is all of life itself, holistically, every single area of your life, Jesus is claiming that he not only knows the secret to the good life, but that he's come to share it with us. So for me, it would be like if the inventor of the taco showed up at my door and said, I can not only make the best tacos, but I can give them to you abundantly. It's essentially like a, you know, the same thing as what he said. So, um, so how, does, how does Jesus do it? If I were to ask you, how does Jesus give us access into this kind of life, what I would have said, and what I'm guessing a lot of us in this room would say if you've grown up like in the Christian bubble, in the Christian world, most of us would say, oh, Jesus gives us life through his death and resurrection. He brings us from death into life. He gives us eternal life in heaven. Um, that's what it means that Jesus gives us life. And, and that's true. That's 100% true. That's the foundation of the gospel. But if that's the only kind of life that you have a category for, if that's the only way that you see Jesus bringing life, then most of his teachings in the gospel are not going to make sense to you. (laughs) Because most of Jesus' teachings in the gospel aren't actually concerned with heaven. They're not actually concerned with this, like, spiritual world. Most of his concerns, most of his teaching has to do with life right here and right now. All of his, not all of his teachings, but most of his teachings are about how should you treat the person who lives next door to you? How should you treat the people that you work with? How should you treat the people that you don't really like? What should you do when you feel anxious? What should you do when you feel angry? What should you do when you feel lust? All of these things. That's what Jesus' teaching is primarily concerned about. And I think that we miss over that. So um, if you look at Matthew 11, 28 through 30, that should be on the side. Um, This is kind of going to be like our theme verse for the personal worship training packet. 
This is what Jesus says. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So Jesus in this verse is promising to give us rest. He's promising to ease our burdens. He's promising to take away our labor. And the way that he says we find rest isn't, and I want to be careful here, but he doesn't say it's by believing in me. And there's other places in the gospel where you know, it does talk about you need to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. But in this specific context, what he's talking about is learning from him. And, you know, we hear a lot, like, Jesus wasn't a teacher. He was the Son of God. He's the King of the universe. He's Lord. But I think sometimes we forget, like, he wasn't just a teacher, but he was still a teacher. And that's what he was doing when he was gathering his disciples, is he was teaching them how to live in the way that he lived. And um, there's a book that's been really influential for Taylor and I as we've been thinking about this packet, and it's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Um, by John Mark Homer. If you haven't heard of it, if you hadn't, haven't read it, I would really, really encourage you to get it. It's a really, really fun, easy read, um, and it was super helpful for us. And one thing he talked about was that um, the term in the Greek for learn from me, uh, at the time, could have also been translated as become my apprentice. And for us today, that's not as common of a concept. Uh, we don't really like use that on a daily basis. But what it means to become an apprentice is that uh, you recognize there's someone who's a master craftsman or woman, whether that's a carpenter, a woodworker, a cabinetry putter inner, or like a, a plumber, a butcher, a candlestick maker. Um, but basically, if someone is a master at their craft and you want to also become a master at the craft, you would apprentice under a very specific person in order to learn how to do what they do exactly like they do it. So if going to school would give you more of like a general training, becoming an apprentice gives you a very, very specialized training because your goal is to become like the person that you're apprenticing under. So I want you to just like think for just a second, what would it change to think for you to think about apprenticing under Jesus? I think there might be just a little bit of ways that that would shift just a little bit how we think about what it means to be a Christian living in this world. I think that if you just think about following Jesus as that means that you will have life in eternity, that doesn't really impact how you live here at all. But if you think Jesus came to offer me fullness of life right here, right now, and I can access that life by apprenticing under him, that really is gonna change the way you live. That's gonna change your priorities, that's gonna change how you spend your time, it's gonna change the things you say yes to, the things you say no to. So I think that this is a really, really helpful concept. And I think that, uh, especially in the um, evangelical world that we kind of live in, uh, we've, we've moved kind of away from talking about it in this way because we're afraid of falling into legalism, which I think is, is there's a good fear to have of legalism. And legalism is essentially saying, um, in order to be right with God, here are the things that you need to do. In order to improve your standing with God, this is the, what you need to do. But that's not what this is saying. This is saying that um, there's a certain way to live that you can have access into that life that Jesus gives. So I'll get into that more. But um, there's a quote I have from John Mark Homer that I think is really helpful. He says this, The whole point of apprenticeship is to model all of your life after Jesus, and in doing so, to recover your soul, to have the warped, 
part of you put back into shape, to experience healing in the deepest parts of your being, to experience what Jesus called life to the full. And I just love that he puts emphasis on it's modeling all of your life after Jesus. It's not, and, and I just love this concept because it, it means that you don't just interact with Jesus when you get in the Word in the morning. It means that there really is a way for you to be interacting with Jesus when you're at Walmart today. Like, isn't that so cool that there's a way for you to have access into the life Jesus promises you as you're stocking shelves at Walmart or as you're driving home from work or as you're falling asleep tonight, as you're doing pillow talk with your roommates. Um, Jesus doesn't just care about those 30 minutes in the morning that you get in the Word under the tent. He cares about all of your life, which I just think is so exciting. So how do we apprentice under Jesus? What does this look like? Um, In the Gospels, Jesus leaves us a series of things that we're going to call the spiritual practices. And uh, in the past, we've referred to them as spiritual disciplines. That's maybe a more common term that you've used. But I really like the word practice because it puts emphasis on the fact that we're all learning how to do these things. Like we're all practicing these things together. And Jesus gave us these spiritual practices in order to live like he did and experience life to the fullest. And the really cool thing about the fact that these are given to us by Jesus is that he's the creator of the world. Like he knows perfectly how the world runs and what the world needs to do in order to thrive. But he's also human. And so he understands what it feels like to be tired. He understands what it feels like to be overwhelmed. And I, I, I just love, he knows what it feels like to feel weary. Um, that's why he calls to those who are weary and heavy laden, um, because he knows what that feels like. And so Jesus is uniquely positioned to actually give you the best roadmap to living your life. So I wanted to do a quick, 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 um, a quick uh, clarifier here. And this is going back to what I said about uh, the difference between the spiritual practices and legalism. So, like I mentioned, Alexis and I are married, and I have one more picture of us because I haven't posted them on Facebook yet, and I just need an excuse to show them to people. Um, so that's another picture of us. But um, what what makes us married? What are the things that make us married? You can be in one. Yeah, okay, yeah, we have rings. We have these like external objective things that show that we're married. Yes, we made a covenant with each other before God and for our friends. And yes, we signed a marriage license. So uh, in the sight of God, we're now married. And also legally in the sight of the state, we're also married. And that's just an objective truth about us. That's, that's not going to change or boom. Um, that's, that's just there. No matter if we're having a good day or a bad day, we are married. But there are things that we can do that are going to positively or negatively impact our experience of marriage. So you could say that for every couple, there's a set of best practices that are really going to improve your marriage or harm it if you do or don't do them. Uh, And for every couple, these things are probably going to be different. Um, For us, it's having weekly date nights. It's doing a Devo in the morning together. It's praying together at night. It's asking each other good questions and being really intentional about listening to one another. And when we do these things, we don't become more married. Like that's, that's, no, that's just, we're always married. But when we do these things, We love each other more, (laughs) and we don't do them to impress each other. We do them because we love each other. Like, it would be, like, I would feel really weird if Alexis, like, took me on a date just to, like, try to prove himself or impress me, but, like, I feel so loved if he takes me on a date because he just, like, wants to spend time with me. So I think that this is the same thing with spiritual practices. Consider them, like, best practices for you in your relationship with God. So just to make this really clear, if you're in Christ, you are saved. Just, like, 
We are married. Nothing can change that. You are in Christ, and you are saved, and nothing can change that. Your standing with God is secure. He's happy with you. Uh, you don't need to impress him. He is satisfied. But there are things you can do to enjoy that salvation and to experience the life that comes from it. So over the next two months, we're going to introduce you every week to a different spiritual practice. And this isn't a comprehensive list. There's way, 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 way more of them. So I'd encourage you to read the book, uh, just read through the Gospels and look through things that Jesus gives us. But I want to just give you a quick overview of where we're going to go. So next week, Taylor is going to talk about fighting the world, the flesh, and the devil. So what does it look like to engage in a world that's hostile to us when we have sin in our own hearts? And there's an active enemy out there trying to destroy us. Uh, then we're going to talk about practicing the Sabbath and what it looks like to rest in a busy world. We're going to talk about fasting and what it means to hunger after God. We're going to talk about prayer, scripture, memorization, meditation, and unhurrying and simplicity. So some of these things you've maybe heard of, you're really familiar with, and some of these things you're like, oh, I've maybe never thought of those things before. So I'm really, really excited to start teaching you these practices. And then what we'll do after the teaching time is we'll do a short workshop just to give you some practice in starting that. And I'm, I'm really excited. So um, I just want to close with this, that as we teach you these spiritual practices, uh, we really think that these are going to help you. If you employ them, if you start practicing, we really do think that you will start to experience more life and more intimacy with Christ. But they're not spiritual bullets. So if one week, one of them, you're like, no, I didn't really get much from that, that's totally fine. Um, but we do think that the more you do them over time, the more you're going to experience their benefits. And um, Last week, Josh and Sam, I don't know where they are, but they performed here at the chapel. They did um, a song called Sales by Pat Barrett. And uh, they did an absolutely incredible job. Okay. <laughs> um, they did an amazing job. And that song has been stuck in my head ever since. Uh, but one of the lines that's repeated over and over and over again in the song is, um, I let the sails out of my heart. Here I am, here you are. And I think that that's such a helpful analogy for us. So this is my last point. Next to a picture of a boat with sails. Ah, but I think that that's a really helpful way to think about the power of using these spiritual practices. So uh, let's say that the boat represents kind of you as a person, your soul, and all of that means that you are. The ocean is life, <laughs> and the harbor that you're trying to go to is Jesus. And this metaphor is like a little bit cheesy, so bear with me. Um, but you're out in the middle of the ocean, you're trying to get into this safe harbor where you know Jesus is, and you could maybe get there if you pull out some paddles and start paddling. Maybe. You maybe get there. Um, but that's going to take you a ton, a ton of effort. And the moment a huge wave comes, you're a goner. But uh, if you put out sails, and if the wind is blowing, suddenly you have power that you did not have before. And the power doesn't come from the sails. The power comes from the wind. But the sails are what allow you to access the power of that wind. It's what allows you to access and harness the wind. So I like to think of the spiritual practices as being those sails. So um, if we're all trying to get into that harbor that is Jesus Christ, and the analogy falls short because really Jesus is like everywhere. So he's not just in the harbor. It's one of my But uh, we're going to put out these sails and hope and pray for the wind to blow and to take us closer to Jesus. And again, I think this analogy is so helpful because sometimes you're out on the lake and you put up the sails and there is no wind. There is nothing happening. You're just floating and there is nothing going on. And that is not the fault of the sails. It's not the fault of the boat. 
the wind just is not blowing that day. And Jesus even, Jesus talks about this. He says, the wind blows where it wishes, with wishes and you don't know where it's going to go. Um, but sometimes you put your sails out, and the wind is blowing, and it is blowing you to where you did not want to go. <laughs> and it ends up being really terrifying, really scary. And I say this like I'm an experienced sailor, and I've like literally sailed like twice in my entire life. But um, just like imagine with me here. Um, but other times you put out your sails, and you hit it just right, and the wind takes you right into the harbor. And I think that that's the same with the spiritual practices. They're not always going to get you right to where you're going to go. But that doesn't mean something is wrong with you. That doesn't mean something is wrong with the spiritual practices. Um, I think God does that to keep us humble. God doesn't owe you anything. He's not indebted to you. But God's going to work when he's going to work. And if you keep raising the sails of your souls, eventually you are going to harness the wind. You are going to access that power. And you are going to experience closer intimacy with Jesus and the life to the fullest that he promises us. So... Get excited the rest of the summer. We're going to try to introduce you to some of these. Um, if you have questions, some of these concepts are, are kind of newer. Um, I think especially in the CEO world, I don't know if you've ever talked about some of these things before. So, um, yeah, if you have questions, come and talk to me and Taylor. We'd be happy to uh, share more about what our hope and desire is for you this summer. Um, yeah, so um, I'm going to pray, and then we'll do just like a really quick stretch break, and then we'll come back, and we'll start a workshop for this week. So, let's go. Um, Heavenly Father, I just am so grateful that um, you don't just promise us life in eternity and then leave us to navigate this mess <laughs> alone, but that you would send your son, that you would take on human flesh, and that he would live among us, that you didn't send him uh, already. Just Jesus didn't go straight to the cross and he came. He he lived among us for over 30 years. He experienced what it's like to be human. And he showed us, he modeled for us, and taught us what it looks like uh, to live life here while being citizens of heaven. And so, God, I ask that um, for everyone in this room who feel, feels uh, weary and heavy laden, who feels overwhelmed by the weight of the world, who feels broken over their own sin, who feels broken over the sin of others, um, Jesus, would you give them rest? And if there's anyone here who is not in Christ, God, would you bring them to yourself? And God, for those of us who are in Christ, would we experience more of you this summer? Would the spiritual practices really be sales that help us uh, sail closer to who you are? Um, and God, would all of us leave this summer um, not, with, uh, not with more good theology, not with more good doctrine, but with those things in as far as they make us more like Christ. And so make us more like Jesus this summer. Would, would we live like he lived? Um, so I ask all these things in your son's name. Amen. Okay, so just like, do you guys want a break? Should we just keep going? Thank you for listening to this message from the 2021 Summer Training Project hosted by Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the college ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church. Please feel free to share this message with others, but please don't charge, edit, or alter the content in any way without the written permission of Campus Outreach Minneapolis.